0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. So tonight, um, I want to look in Daniel, chapter 6, continuing our study in Daniel. And, you know, we've looked through Daniel and we've seen several times how pagan governments and pagan culture can bear pressure on people to try and force them to conform into their way of thinking, into their sort of values, their their ways. And um, if someone doesn't want to conform to their ways, they will persecute them uh, in, in some sort of way. And that's usually what we connect persecution to. We connect persecution to governments, to to cultural powers. We We see how Communist governments, like in China, will persecute the church and throw people in in jail or even kill church leaders. We see how Muslim cultures will burn down churches and and, uh, kill Christians and persecute people. Um, But sometimes the persecution that comes our way, it, it, it becomes a little bit more personal in that there are individuals who have a problem with our expression of faith, and you know, they'll do things to mess with us, they do things to uh, destroy us just because of what we stand for and because of who we follow. And so if someone doesn't like our biblical values, they might try and do stuff to us. They might try and spread rumors about us. They might try and ruin our reputation. They might try and undermine our influence in some way. They might try and get us fired from a job. Uh, I know many times Christians were removed from some sort of public platform because another person on that platform was offended by the biblical worldview that the Christian holds. So uh, sometimes Christians will be uh, falsely falsely accused of stuff by an individual just to try and trip them up or try and get them out of the way to try and minimize their influence. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned in some of the other chapters, you know, just like government or culture... You know, they, they would leave us alone if we would just conform to their thinking. You know, individuals would leave us alone if, as long as we wouldn't make them uncomfortable about their sin. But, you know, in order to do that, we would have to stop living for God. We'd have to stop proclaiming the truth. We would have to live a lie. And that's just not something that we're going to do. Well, Daniel, he just kept running into these kind of problems. And uh, he ran into individuals that had a personal dislike for him and what he stood for and what he did. And uh, for him, it turned out to be a matter of life and and death. And so these people, they didn't like that he was a Jew and that he followed his God to uh, as best as he could. And so they wanted to get him out of the way. And we shouldn't be surprised when people want to do that to us as well. Now, when I talk about this kind of persecution, you know, I'm assuming we're being persecuted for our faith in God. You know, we're not 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 we're not being persecuted because we were a jerk to someone or because we sinned. And we say that's you know, oh, I'm being persecuted. Well, no, you're being persecuted because you're you're a jerk or because of your sin. You're not. But if you're living for God rightly, you know, you you will be persecuted, and God will uh, walk with us through that. Now you might not get justice in your time on earth, but you will get justice eventually. And so if you run into individuals who are persecuting you because of your stance with God, take heart, God is with you. As we see, God was with Daniel through what he was uh, going through. And so we're going to take this chapter uh, bit by bit, but uh, first I want to talk about the flagrant flagrant persecution that Daniel went through in verses 1 through 9, uh, this is what is described for us. It says that it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might not suffer, might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And nor, no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this, Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you O king shall be cast into the den of lions now O king establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked therefore king Darius signed the document and the injunction so now if you remember what happened back in Daniel 5 that we looked at many weeks ago uh, the Babylonian Empire fell to the Medo-Persian Empire. And Daniel, uh, was, you know, he, he was someone who had served with the Babylonian government for decades, for, in many different capacities, even though toward the end he was kind of forgotten about when Belshazzar was uh, was the king. But here comes Darius as king in the Babylonian area. He, he wanted to build his bureaucra- bureaucracy, which is a very hard word to say, by the way and he was trying to build his government so that you know he wouldn't suffer loss so that it would run efficiently so that the right taxes was gathered and so that that there were certain right people put in place to prevent any sort of military or political coup so he set this up and he put these 120 satraps which are like mid-level management middle management i guess But then he placed three men over over them, and Daniel was one of these three men, these administrators. And you know, Daniel, he had plenty of experience. He was known to have worked in Babylon, known to do great things under Nebuchadnezzar and and the like. And, And Darius noticed that Daniel had great skill, that he was very wise, and he had wonderful experience going into this. But it wasn't merely the talent and gifting that set him apart. It says that Darius also noticed that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Now, Darius didn't know that it was God's Holy Spirit that it had empowered Daniel, but the king noticed that Daniel was different because he followed this God. On this side of things, I mean, we understand that God, through his Holy Spirit, was working through Daniel and, and made him effective and, and gave him grace in the sight of those who who were all around him but either and and you know the the holy spirit will do the same through us as well if we allow the holy spirit that that free reign in our life instead of trying to do things in our our own power but Darius thought that Daniel so excelled over everybody else that he wanted to promote Daniel even further to a position that I think would be equivalent to being like second in the kingdom. You know, it'd be kind of like what what uh, Joseph was under Pharaoh. Remember the story of Joseph and how he was lifted up and, and Pharaoh said, well, I'm going to put you over all the kingdom. I mean, you're only right below me, but everything else is under you. And so it looked like Daniel was going to be kind of in, in a similar situation, even though, I mean, Daniel was in his 80s by this time. And so all these youngsters in the government they weren't too keen that this 80 year old jew i mean this guy from another country and another ethnicity and all that 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 he was going to get this high place in government i mean this was kind of if you would say government officials like this had a dream that was their dream i want to be right under the king i want to have that power They were all kind of vying for that kind of position. And now who's this old guy who's taken over that spot? You know, you do that, you're going to get a lot of people who are jealous. And they were jealous. All the satraps, all the high officials, they were offended that this old Jew was going to be moving up the ladder and taking over this position. So these jealous people, being jealous of Daniel's success from God... That came from the hand of God, they wanted to take him down. They wanted to destroy him. They wanted to get him removed. The only problem is that Daniel always did what was right. He always did things above board. Daniel never cut corners. He never broke the law. He never took a bribe. He never did any sort of shady or ill, anything that's shady or illegal. So there was nothing wrong that they could accuse him of. They couldn't go to the king and say, hey, you know, Daniel, he's taking a little bit out of of the coffers there. You know, he's embezzling some money. They couldn't do anything like that. They couldn't get him fired for those kind of things. Which, here's a little side note. You know, we who are part of the kingdom of God ought to be some of the most godly, honest, good citizens in the kingdom of men. Now, we never, we never compromise with the kingdom of men over the kingdom of God, but you know, the early apologists, when they were being persecuted by the Romans, one of the arguments that they constantly used with the emperors was that Christians made the best citizens in the Roman Empire out of anybody else. And so that ought to give us you know, some thought about how we conduct ourselves. Daniel conducted himself rightly in everything that they, they, they did. They, you know, They tried to find something to accuse him of. They tried to get him fired. They wanted to get him out of there, but they, they had nothing to go on. So they had to come up with a different tactic. But they knew that the only way that they would be able to trip him up would somehow have to be connected to the law of his God. That means that they knew Daniel was so devoted to God that he followed God's laws to a T, that somehow they could find a way to weaponize that. They knew Daniel's beliefs because Daniel's convictions were not hidden. The whole empire, or anyone you know, who knew Daniel, anyone within the empire that knew Daniel, knew he was a Jew who faithfully followed his God. They knew where he stood with God. And here again, kind of a side note, that begs the question for us. Do people know where we stand? Do, do people know that we are followers of Christ? Or are we a follower of Christ kind of in secret? Are we kind of like a, a Christian ninja? Okay, that, that probably doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean. You're just sneaky about your whole Christianity thing. You are You know, ninjas are sneaky. They're supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to know they're there. Are you a Christian ninja where people don't even know you're a Christian? You're just so sneaky about it. Were, would people be surprised that you're a Christian if they found out? Well, that didn't happen with Daniel. There was no being a ninja with him. He was, he was out there with his faith. And being devoted to God and living a holy life and praying and, and doing everything. And so they said, somehow we're going to use that. We're going to weaponize that. So they devised their plan. But to see it through, they'd have to trick the king. They come to this king to the king, they come to Darius with this brilliant idea. And they say, Oh, king, well live forever, you know, that's the way you were supposed to say hi to the king all the government officials are in on this everyone thinks this is such a great idea even though obviously daniel had no idea this was going on listen to this darius all of us think you should make this law that no one can pray to any god or go through any sort of priest or mediator except to you for the next 30 days well the king is flattered i mean his ego is Getting, getting stroked here. But the king doesn't check the facts. And he's thinking, well, you know, to ensure loyalty among the people, well, yeah, why not? That sounds good to me. No one can go to their God. Just come to me. I, and, you know, I don't think it's that he thought he was a god. It's just that, you know, come to me, and I'm the one that will mediate to the gods for you. So the king signs the decree. I mean, we, we use the term the law of the Medes and the Persians, meaning, I mean, once it's set, it's set. There's no turning back. It's not, even the king can't change what has been written. And so here it is. He is being persecuted by individuals who are jealous of him, and he's being persecuted because of his, his faith. And now these wicked men they turn their flagrant persecution into law, an unchangeable law. And now everybody knows that it's law. So Daniel, he knows it's law. Hey, the king has signed this decree. No praying to God, no praying, going through a priest or, or nothing, don't go to anyone, only the king himself. So what is Daniel going to do? Well, let's look at the fearless prophet. Let's read verses 10 through 17. See what the fearless prophet did. It says When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of those exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel okay so the king signs a decree and it goes out thirty days you can't pray to your god you can only go to the king with your petitions Daniel finds out about this decree now let's think about this from a human standpoint A a normal human standpoint would think, well, you know, it's just 30 days. I mean, I can hide out for 30 days, I can pray in secret for 30 days, I can hide my faith for 30 days, and then just after the 30 days, jump back at it. Nobody'd know the difference. That would be a temptation that would be faced here. You know, we might might face those kind of temptations that we think we're going to be embarrassed or harassed at work, at school, or whatever. You know what? Just keep a low profile. Keep everything on the down low. It's just that easy. Hmm. But what does that say about what we think about God, if we do that? Daniel would not do that. He didn't think that little about his God. He did not let this decree stop him. From doing his normal routine of prayer and worship, he prayed three times every day, morning, noon, and night, and he wasn't about to stop doing that. And now, knowing the king's decree, and Daniel, he knew knew what these guys were up to. He knew where this came from. He knew this thing was directed at him. He knew he was a target. Yet, he still was obedient to his God anyway. And so he prayed to God like he always did. Of course, now his prayers included prayers about this whole situation. He may have prayed for supernatural deliverance from his enemy's schemes. Now, there's some in Christendom who might look at what Daniel did and say oh wait a minute you know what you're breaking the government's law and Romans 13 says to follow everything that the government says or so you know some people try and and interpret it well here's the thing I mean we are to follow government laws as long as they do not contradict divine laws if there is ever a conflict between human laws or government laws and divine law, guess one, wins out. We obey God. We don't obey man. As Jesus' apostles told the Sanhedrin, we ought to obey God rather than man. And so Daniel wasn't about to let these guys cause him to disobey his God. He wasn't about to let humans take away his devotion to his God. He always put God first. And he had this reputation. And his enemies knew exactly what he would do because he was that devoted to God. And they knew it. They knew. So these enemies that were persecuting him, they, they were spying on him. They followed him home. And... You know, it, well, obviously homes were built a little bit different in those days. So they had flat roofs, and probably on the flat roof there was one more small room on top with windows heading in each direction. And Daniel would go up to that room and open up the window that goes to the east because that's where, that's where Jerusalem would have been. And in, in Jewish mind, even though the temple was destroyed, I mean, that's still kind of where the presence of God is. So he's going to pray to the east. And they were watching him. Oh, look, Daniel, he opened the window. Oh, he's getting down on his knees. Oh, we caught him now. He's praying to his God. Daniel didn't try and hide it. But they have their smoking gun, I suppose you want to call it. So the witnesses ran to the king. And they make some terrible accusations. They first point out to the king. They said, they're trying they're trying to remind the king of what he did so that they can say, you can't change your mind. So, okay, king, didn't you write this decree about not praying to any god for 30 days? Yeah, yeah, it's there. Well, guess what? There's this Jew. Notice, I mean, he... he he, he they stress that this captive from Judah, there's this captive from Judah, meaning there's this outsider, there's this guy who's not one of us. This, he's from way to, way over from the east. There's a little you know ethnic racism going here. There's this captive from Judah. He's an outsider. And not only that, he doesn't pay, any attention to you, O oh King? There's this outsider, this Jew, who is snubbing his nose at you, King. He doesn't respect you. He's showing you no respect because he's praying to his God. You notice how they're progressing this? I mean, this is—they have this plan all set up. You—you you wrote this law, right? Yeah. You can't change it, right? Yeah. Okay. There's an outsider who's not giving you any respect. They're not following the decree. You said in your decree that whoever would pray to their God within these next 30 days would be thrown in the lion's den, right? Yeah. The law is irrevocable. You can't change it. Yep. can't change it. Well, king, this Daniel that you are so high on, this Daniel that you wanted to make second in command of the empire or whatever, he's the one. The king is no dummy. He knows immediately that he had been played. He knows immediately what happened. He's mad at himself because he fell for it, and he's mad at those guys because they led him to it. But the law is the law. And he spends the rest of the day trying to find a legal loophole. There's got to be some way around this. He gets all his attorneys around. All right, come on. Look in the statute books. There's got to be some way around this. We've got to save Daniel. They have until sundown when Daniel has to be thrown into the lion's den. But they, find, they can't find anything. So Daniel has to be thrown into the lion's den, and Daniel is. There's probably you know it's probably a big pit of some sort, cave, cavern, and there's uh, an opening. You know they, that they have a rock on to, to, you know, protect. They move the rock. They throw Dan- you know they throw Daniel down in, into the into this cave into this den, and. Uh, Daniel was fearless. He trusted God. Would we trust God in such a situation? You know, and the, the king knows, again, the king knows his devo- Daniel's devotion to God. He says, I mean, the king, this pagan king even says a prayer, you know, this God that you serve continuously... May he save you. May he save you. But would we be so trusting to God, facing something like that? And, you know, it's, it's easy to talk big when we're not real, actually faced with a situation like that. It'd be easy just to say off the cuff, yeah, you know what, I would die for God. The problem is that so many people who say that they would die for God don't even live for God. So how in the world are you going to die for God if you don't even live for Him? Again, are you a ninja Christian? Or do you live your faith? And do you even think your faith is worth dying for or living for? Either one. Well, what happened to Daniel? Well, then, through the rest of the chapter, we see the foiled plan of these men. We see the foiled plan. Let me read from verse 18. Uh, To the end of the chapter. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I mean the king was so bothered he he loved daniel he he couldn't eat he couldn't sleep he wasn't in the mood for any diversions all he could do was stress out all night over daniel but the second that the sun uh rose in the east he ran i mean this is a king you're supposed to be stately you're not supposed to be, but he ran to the lion's den and found daniel alive and daniel says an angel came and closed the mouths of the lions god took care of Daniel in a mighty supernatural way. Now, we we see that, but something needs to be said. Just because we read that and other deliverances like that in Scripture doesn't mean that it is God's will to deliver in that manner every single time that a Christian is in trouble or one of God's people is in trouble. We, We have to keep that in mind. He can. He most certainly can, and he has, but he doesn't do it all the time. It depends on his plans and purposes, because think of all the martyrs over the past two thousand years. I mean, Fox's Book of Martyrs talks about the first you know few hundred to a thousand years of Christianity. How many Christians died for the faith? They stayed. Faithful to God because they knew God stayed faithful to them. And you know, we, we got to be okay with that. We got to be okay that God is not going to supernaturally do something every time. He can. He might. We seek it. We pray for it. But he might not. You know, you think back to chapter 3 when when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. What they said to Nebuchadnezzar, they said, our God is more than able to deliver us from the furnace and to deliver us out of your hands, O Nebuchadnezzar. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your idol. We're not going to bow down to your statue. They were like, he might. He could, he's more than capable, he's more than powerful enough, but he might choose to not deliver us, and we're okay with that too. We're still going to follow his ways. And so Daniel was faced with the same thing. I'm going to pray, I'm going to still do follow my God wholeheartedly, and I'm going to be thrown into the den of lions. God might save me. God might not save me. But either way, I'm going to remain devoted to God. That's where faith is put put to the test. If God's plan is not to deliver you, if God's plan is different than you think it ought to be, are you going to be okay with that? If God's plan is different than yours, are you okay with that? Will you still worship him? Will you still faithfully follow him? We get all bent out of shape when, when things don't go our way. That was not God's plan. Are you okay with that God's plan, in the grand scheme of things, is greater than your plan. Are you going to be okay with that? If you're not okay with that, you are going to live a very frustrated life. Because quite often, God's plan is a whole lot different than our plans are. But God can deliver in mighty ways. He can still do supernatural things. Now the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews eleven thirty three, he um, he attributes, you know, that part of the reason that Daniel was delivered was that he was a man of faith. Because Hebrews eleven thirty three, you know, it talks about, I mean, that's the great faith chapter, and it he it talks about people who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions oh yeah it's obviously daniel that he's talking about there so in the end daniel and darius the pagan king they both give glory to god god did what he did to save daniel not just to save daniel but so that he gets the glory and honor and because of what happened darius sends out this decree Everyone in the kingdom is to fear Daniel's God. You know, Darius gets it a little bit quicker than Nebuchadnezzar did. And so he just puts it out there. Daniel's God is great. Fear him and show him due diligence. It um, doesn't mean he was converted, but you know, at least he was showing God some reverence and, and respect. And not only did God save Daniel, he prospered Daniel. And so God can and will and does do great things for his children. But it's all according to his plan and his purposes, and we give him thanks for that. And so God does care for those who who walk before him uprightly, who trust in his love and his power and his faithfulness. And, you know, just because we walk faithfully, just because we have trust, doesn't mean that, you know, our life will be without tests or trials or persecutions. Uh, or whatever, just because we are walking right before God doesn't mean we won't be wrongly accused or having people trying to undermine us. But it does mean we have a faithful God who will stick by us when we go through those things. When people have set their sights on us to do us harm, God will walk with us. But now, some quick questions, uh, things to think about as, as we end, some lessons. One question is, will our Christian walk stand out such that people know that we believe in Jesus? Will our Christian walk stand out so people know? Are you going to be a ninja? Secondly, will you choose to remain faithful to God even in trials and tests and tribulations and persecutions? Third, will you trust God or not in the middle of whatever it is you might be in the middle of right now. Because everyone's going through something different. Will you trust God to do whatever it is he thinks is best? Whatever he thinks you ought to do. And so let's pray tonight that God would work in us to make that a reality. Let's pray that God would give us that attitude that I'm going to walk with you And I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to be obnoxious or whatever, but I'm going to walk obediently and faithfully for you. And if somebody doesn't like it, you're going to have to deal with it, God. And if they attack me, you're going to have to deal with it, God. And if I'm persecuted, you're going to have to deal with that, God. I'm going to give it to you. And so let's pray that we have that kind of walk. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest_HBC. underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry.